It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. AJ Green is back at practice, and that's got to get all of you excited. He's not getting traded either, so throw out our shows for the last two days when we started talking about what would happen if the Bengals traded AJ Green. This happened with John Ross, too, you might remember. We started talking about, seriously, we resisted it for a few days. We're like, they're not going to trade him. Let's not bother talking about it. But then the rumors kept on. And then the day before Duke Tobin at the Combine said we're not trading John Ross. We talked about it on the podcast. Same thing happened. We should just talk about more players that they're not going to trade, and then they won't trade him. Like us not talking about drafting a quarterback the last couple of weeks. And then yesterday is the first time we really talked about the top two quarterbacks. Now, here's an Andy Dalton extension coming any second now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. A.J. Green went out to the practice field in full pads and a helmet and went through position drills with the wide receivers when he was listed as a limited participant in practice for the Bengals today. There's some reason to believe that he could be back as soon as next week, and you certainly hope so, because if it's going to take until week 8, you really start to wonder why they didn't just put him on the injured reserve. They've been carrying both A.J. Green and Cordy Glenn, who have been inactive now for five weeks each and is going to be six because neither is going to play this week in Baltimore. Instead, they could have put them on IR if they had known they were going to be out this long, and maybe they could have kept guys like Josh Malone on the roster where they're now thin at wide receiver. They could have kept some upside at those positions. And then even if Green and Glenn were healthy before week eight, that means you're carrying them at this point for just one week or two weeks before you can activate them and get them onto the roster. Instead, they've been shorthanded this whole time, and injuries have stacked up for the 53 guys that are not on the IR or physically unable to perform list. Well, if you remember, it was a chance that he could play the opener, and then it was maybe three weeks, and then four weeks, and then it was he's not going to play for a couple more weeks, and now it looks like we could be targeting week seven. So I think this ended up going out of control as injuries tend to do in Cincinnati. I wonder where the idea came from. And the early narrative on AJ Green, if you remember, is that he's a fast healer. He'll be back quick. And I questioned at the time, when has he ever come back from an injury sooner than expected? His last few injuries, he had turf toe and he came back and then he went out for the year. Before that, he had another thing that you thought maybe a minor thing. He goes out for the year. Yeah, they thought the hamstring would be two or three weeks. It ended up being the full season. He never went on IR that year either. 
And soft tissue injuries can certainly do that, and their healing is sometimes unpredictable, but when you get into ligaments and tendons in particular, outside of the muscle tissue, there's less blood flow to those areas, so you expect the healing to be slower in most people. You're not going to be Adrian Peterson every time. I think AJ Green doesn't have the Wolverine gene for rapid healing. And now he's going on six weeks. He's not going to play, but there's now a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the optimistic note for Cincinnati. Zach Taylor also said they're not trading AJ Green. So it sounds like you can expect and hope for AJ Green to be healthy for at least eight weeks a season and then look for an extension. And this can mean two things. Number one, they value AJ Green very highly, right? They, they think he's a cornerstone player still. They, think, they still think he's very good. And he's going to be a part of their future if they can get a contract extension with them. Number two, the other side is because they value him so much, they probably weren't getting or would get if they ever entertained offers what they feel A.J. Green is worth, which is probably a first round pick. I just don't think that was ever happening. And because of it, you sit back and you say, OK, uh, do we still want A.J. Green? Do we want him to be one of the receivers here that helps lead this next core and this next team into the future? And I think. All the fans and, and players and coaches, you heard from Drake Kirkpatrick and Carlos Dunlap this week, they would like him in the building and they'd like him to be part of this. Now, that puts pressure on the Bengals because they've made this announcement, because they've said this, that means they have to pay him. And he's got the advantage right now, despite being hurt. As soon as he comes back, shows he's healthy, maybe has one decent game, he's going to have all the leverage for an extension. And there's no real reason to think that there's an immediate fall off or decline coming from AJ Green other than his age there's been a small deterioration from his absolute peak in 2015 when everything was going right on the team with Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Andy Dalton running the team looking like an MVP candidate that year since then a little bit worse production a little bit worse in terms of grading you start to see like very very slow hints of decline on tape, but it's very, very slow. AJ Green is an elite athlete, and as long as he's still performing at even 90% of what he was performing like as an athlete coming out of Georgia, you still have a very, very good player on your team who now has veteran savvy. And I guess my concern would be, is A.J. Green still the deep threat he always was? When you go back and watch last year even, and uh, although he missed time, he caught one vertical pass outside the numbers last year, and it was against Kansas City Chiefs, and he should have scored on it, but he kind of stumbled and fell and was, went out at the inside the five-yard line. So I want to know if he's still that deep speed outside guy that he has always been. Well, that's where he's made his mark and his money. And if he's not, maybe you exercise the franchise tag to keep him for one year to get a full exposure in 2020. So we will look forward to the return of A.J. Green in the coming weeks, and hopefully he helps the Bengals get this season back on track. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Big news and players that will actually see the field this week, I think in some capacity, uh, it's Alex Redman and it's offensive line help, if you will. And I only say that because he was 
quite poor last year, but uh, the Bengals have been fielding the worst left guard in the league with Michael Jordan. Now we'll see Billy Price in that left guard spot this week, so that gets me excited, Jake. I think for me that's uh, one of the key evaluation pieces, finding out if Billy Price can be one of the foundational players going into this next window, and this is another opportunity for him to do that. But if it's not him, if it's not Billy Price, if he, you know, though he's had some bad moments this year, I think we could see Redmond pretty quickly at left guard. Redmond also practiced at left tackle this week, which is pretty wild. We talked about that in yesterday's podcast of why that might fit him a little bit and difference in weight and agility of when he was coming out. And right now without Andre Smith, it's going to be John Jerry more than likely at left tackle. And he's coming off a good game but not exactly a reliable player out there and may have a shorter leash. And then, Jake, we've had John Miller limited at right guard recently this week at practice. Maybe Redmond sees time there eventually. Plenty of opportunity for Alex Redmond to get into a game this week. He's going to be the swing tackle, the first tackle off the bench for the Bengals because, as Brian Callahan said on the Athletic Podcast with Paul Daner, There's nobody else to do it on this team right now. There aren't very many teams that get down to their fifth tackle this early in the season and just don't have the guy on the roster. There's nobody left on the street that they feel good about signing, and maybe that's because there's no John Jerry on the street. There's no guy that they've had on their team before that they feel comfortable with. But Callahan also doesn't sound like he feels great about John Jerry, right? It's He's a guy that can do it. And he was asked, well, can Mike Jordan do it? He has the build for it. And he's like, well, we're trying to get Mike good at one position first. So we're going right. to continue to work him at left guard. And that makes me think, okay, but what about Billy Price? And he, his attitude on Billy Price was kind of a, well, let's see what he does this week. And it sounds like perhaps his entire coaching staff is a little bit down on Billy Price at this point, which is a little disconcerting as your former one year ago, first round pick. But you, you would instead hope that he's getting any opportunity and every opportunity to prove that he can actually live up to that pedigree in that draft position. But I think that there's a real possibility that we see Alex Redmond this week because, as Joe mentioned, there are some injuries along the line. And I agree. I think from listening to Brian Callahan's tone of voice in that podcast, in that session with reporters, it doesn't sound like they're enthusiastic about running John Jerry out there. It sounds like This is a guy that we have that can do it, and he's a veteran, and he knows what to do out there. Yeah, I like the stories about Redmond being out there in pads and hyping up the locker room 30 minutes before practice started and that he was out there with energy and and excitement during practice. I think those are definitely Jim Turner-type keys, like, oh, okay, we've got a fun, excited guy here that's ready to go out there and knock some heads around. Uh, I think that's something he would like, and we could see Redmond pretty quickly. And to be honest, it would be an upgrade if Price isn't good and Jordan continues the way he's been. Inserting Alex Redmond wouldn't be the worst thing in the world right now. Especially if he's cleaned up the penalties, right? Because the penalties were sure. such a huge detractor to his game last year. The false starts, the holding penalties all came at the worst time. And being right beside uh, Bobby Hart, who was doing the same thing. And Billy, Price, who had a lot of penalties. That's exactly where I was going. And Billy Price, who struggled with penalties last year. At least you have Trey Hopkins in the middle now. That might help a little bit, you hope. But Jim Turner, actually, go to Bengals.com, read the quotes. He does absolutely love Alex Redman because Alex Redman's out there stirring up shit. He's talking trash. He's going after the whistle. 
He's a fiery guy, and you can expect to see that on Sunday, and you hope that it doesn't lead to a penalty. And you hope that he doesn't rehash some of those stupid penalties from last year. And while he wasn't a good pass protector last year, he was one of their better run blockers, especially when it came to setting the point and being that that front man to, to you know reset the line of scrimmage. So he may provide some of that if that's the case. But enough with Redmond. Um, we're looking at this game ahead and looking at the Bengals versus Ravens. We're going to talk a little about the Ravens also, but what do you look for this week, Jake? 0-5, we're kind of in evaluation mode. Uh, to be honest with you, I've stopped looking at some players that really, at this point, I, I think the evaluation is done or they just don't seem to be part of the future plans. So I'm focusing on, and that's why I focused on Tyler Boyd last week. I'm glad he had a good game. But like it could be Auden Tate and Joe Mixon and Billy Price. For me, it's all about the young guys. I hope what the defensive side has, has been saying with Lou Anarumo that the, we'll see some young players play. If it's Jermaine Pratt and he gets 30 snaps, let's say, I'd love that. Uh, that would be where my eyes would be glued if that was the case. And if it is Jermaine Pratt, he's going to be expected to probably play a ton of run defense out there. And that's probably what I would like to see from him. I don't really want to see him running down the seam with Mark Andrews, but... Maybe that happens, and that might not go well because Mark Andrews for the Ravens, one of the better tight ends in in football right now, was a 2018 shadow draft pick for me, by the way. Oh, me too. I was just going to lead that way. I was going to say he doesn't play for the Ravens. He plays for my shadow team, but I guess we share him. I think I I I got him. I feel really good about that pick. Anyway, would love to see the young guys. For me, the evaluation, though, is I want to see the coaches make adjustments. I want to see... I don't want to see the same mistakes. And they've talked about this as a coaching staff going back to when Zach Taylor took over. They don't want to see the same mistakes twice. Well, we're seeing a lot of the same mistakes week in, week out. We're seeing Zach Taylor not going to the play action game early or often enough for my taste. I know the Enquirer did a piece this week on how they're in 11 personnel 80 plus percent of the time, not necessarily performing great out of 11 personnel and a reminder there is three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end, the one, one, one tight end, one running back. So I would like to see if Zach Taylor can make some adjustments and find a way to get some consistency early. And if they get into the red zone, can they finish drives? Because this isn't a good Ravens defense this year. Get it out of your head that these are the Ravens of years past. This is a Ravens team that's winning with his offense, with big plays to Marquise Brown They're using Mark Andrews. They're getting huge running contributions from their quarterback and from their running back. So can the Bengals figure out how to stop getting gashed horizontally in the run game? Can they stop biting so hard on misdirection, especially on the backside contain? You go back and watch Arizona. They took advantage of Sam Hubbard on cutback lanes all damn day. You can't do that as easily to Carlos Dunlap, as Joe pointed out on Twitter. But I want to see corrections from the coaching staff schematically and in terms of drilling things out of these players that are making the same mistakes. And maybe it is just the players, but I feel like some of these things have got to be schematic at this point. Oh, they have to be. You look at other teams that have poor players at certain positions and they're not just getting targeted consistently the same way week after week after five weeks. There are changes you can make. Uh, but I, I was going to say about the the field goal kicking in the red zone, you know, there's been a lot of decisions made to kick the field goal. Sure. They've gone for it a couple of times. I still think back to week one with geo. And I want more of that. I want more aggressiveness, especially when you're on five, what do you have to lose? Right. 
should you be kicking four field goals in a game like last week? Probably not in hindsight in a game that ended up being the difference of, of three points. Sure, you didn't think you were um, going to get that close at one point, but you can see how quickly things turn and how much those points are worth. Uh, you know, you look at the analytics of it, and kicking a field goal is almost like losing points in today's NFL against an offense that can put up 35 easy, and the, and the Ravens can against a poor defense. We've seen them take advantage of the Cardinals and the Dolphins. The Bengals aren't far from that, as we've seen so far. And if the Bengals want to win, they're probably going to have to put up 30 points this week. And then you kind of just have to wonder, the Bengals have been against some pretty bad defenses this season already. Pittsburgh came into that game pretty bad. They've really tightened the ship in the last couple of weeks, though. And now that defense looks much, much better, especially that defensive line leading the way. But the Cardinals didn't have a very good defense. They eventually scratched some touchdowns out late in that game. And you hope that, I guess, that momentum carries over. Maybe Zach Taylor learned something about what was working toward the end of the game. Maybe that was more what the Cardinals were doing. Maybe they were just calling some different sorts of more conservative zones, trying to keep the ball in front of them. It didn't work out so well. But you wonder how they get to 30 points. Yeah. Without John Ross, without A.J. Green for the big play, well, can they get Joe Mixon going? Can they figure out a way to get Tyler Boyd downfield? Where do the vertical shots come from? Earl Thomas is still back there for the Ravens. He's still really good. He's really the only piece of this defense outside of Marlon Humphrey that is all that scary right now. So, you know, you you probably try to find a way to attack the linebackers and the other safety who, at this point, I don't even know who it is because the guy who was starting with Earl Thomas is hurt now. So Tony Jefferson. Jefferson, yeah, yeah, he's hurt now. So the corners are depleted, but you want to avoid Earl Thomas, and the linebackers have been bad. So you find ways to attack there if you can, but Bengals have been shying away from the middle of the field, and I assume the Ravens will try to take that away just like the, the Cardinals did. Yeah, I wonder if Marlon Humphrey will get into the slot and go against Tyler Boyd because Humphrey's really good. And I don't know if you saw that last play last week where he matches up with uh, Juju in the slot and Schuster gets open, catches the ball, and Humphrey just punches it out instantly for the fumble. They recover and they kick a field goal to win the game. Uh, If their number one corner can cover the slot, that's bad news for the Bengals because really when you look at last week, it was – it was Boyd, and they, they got some plays and some targets. You know, Autumn Tate did catch a touchdown, but they just weren't threats to the defense in any way. No, I mean, they can certainly get open because they're NFL players, and the Ravens are depleted in the secondary anyway, but they're not scaring anybody. They're not going to no. have corners running 10 yards of cushion off of them the way John Ross did, right? They're not going to create space on their own. They have to win individually with route running and – They're going to do it sometimes, but it's going to be potentially harder than it has to be for this Bengals offense. And it's going to be certainly harder than it would have been if Tyler Eifert was, you know, the Tyler Eifert of a few years ago. He certainly doesn't look nearly the athlete that he used to. If AJ Green's out there, if John Ross is out there, it makes a big difference. 15 snaps for Tyler Eifert last week. That's got to be a low for him to finish a game healthy. I didn't realize that. I wonder if that's game script related because they were keeping the tight ends into block a lot. That's something that actually Callahan also talked about on the podcast with Paul Daner. They were keeping the tight ends into block a lot because they knew they needed to help the tackles. And yes, that lets them get more vertical, but they don't have the players to get vertical. So pros and cons there. It doesn't really fit the personnel they have right now, but 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that is a trend that goes forward. Maybe the coaching staff has realized, well, maybe Tyler Eifert isn't, maybe he's worth actually what they're paying him, which right. is not a whole lot. We should probably start talking about what to expect from the Bengals around defense. So because the strength of this Baltimore team is when they have the ball. Should we get to that in a minute? Yep. All right. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, segment three here, which means we're going to look at when the Ravens have the ball versus this vaunted Bengals defense. And you can tell I'm being sarcastic there because I don't think this is a great matchup at all. In terms of the Bengals being susceptible to horizontal speed, misdirection, um, not getting, being able to get their hands on elusive quarterbacks, which we saw Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, even Russell Wilson. They got to him a couple of times, but Wilson made some plays also. And Jackson is obviously maybe the most elusive quarterback in the league. And he'll move in the pocket and he'll keep his eyes up. I watched a couple of Jackson games this week just in, you know, try to prepare a little bit. And he's really looking good this year. But I don't want to spend too much of my focus on that other than saying that he should have been the pick last year, 21. Then I'll leave it as that, Jake. I see your face already. He's Guys, he's disappointed in me just bringing no, that up. No, I'm not. I'm disappointed in the Bengals because my you go back to oh. my tweets when the Bengals were on the clock. I was saying I said they better pick Lamar Jack like Lamar Jackson, easy top of the list here, easy top of the list, and and right. then they picked Billy Price and it was just uh, I was so disappointed. But looking at this offense for the Ravens, I agree with you. I am a little bit worried about the speed they've got there, and the Bengals have actually been pretty good against tight ends this year. But Mark Andrews is Will Disley aside future of Bengals second-round pick, Drew Sample, by the way. Will Disley aside in Seattle, who really has come on since they played the Bengals, yeah. the Bengals haven't played any great tight ends this year. And this one looks like he could be great. Mark Andrews for the Ravens. Good in uh, blocking and has been a really, really good receiver. Yeah, I haven't been fantasy in two leagues, and Andrews has been really fun for me. But uh, don't forget George Kittle for the 49ers, but they kept him pretty under wraps. The Bengals have been giving up more to the running backs, and the Ravens really don't have a receiving threat. Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards are really big, pounding-type backs, and they're going to use them a lot of different ways. 
Uh, a lot they run out a lot of different formations, power and zone, inside, outside, uh, option plays. They do a lot of different things to mix it up. It's really going to give the Bengals troubles. I wouldn't be surprised if this is another game, and they've had a lot where they're giving up six yards per carry and and just giving up chunk plays on the ground. And then if Hollywood Brown plays, they're gonna. That's where they take their shots. That's really what they've been living off of. Talking with the Ravens guy yesterday on Lockdown Ravens. He said they really haven't had anybody else to step up. Miles Boykin, the other rookie out of Notre Dame, big guy, really hasn't done much. Uh, it's been the couple shots and couple big plays to Hollywood that has really kept this passing game alive. But the consistent part has been Mark Andrews. So this is the first, I don't want to say first test, because like you, Jake, I'm, I'm of, the, of the same mindset. The Bengals have been good against tight ends, but against teams that have exploited the Bengals in different ways. So if the Ravens can't get the running backs in the space, and I'm talking in the passing game, they're going to have to look for it in different ways. And I think it's going to have to come from Mark Andrews. Maybe they split them. Maybe they move them around a little bit more. I'm more interested to see if the Bengals do something different on defense. They've been in nickel a lot. And last week they were in nickel 100% of the time. I wonder if, do they go to a 3-4 defense back like when they were playing Seattle against a, a team that's going to play a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends? Or are they going to go to a more traditional 4-3 defense? And maybe this is how they were alluding to Jermaine Pratt getting on the field. Well, that's what I was talking about when I said I'm evaluating the defense and, or sorry, the coaching. And I was mostly talking about Lou Anarumo. Obviously, Zach Taylor as well in play calling early in the game and how they're going to deal with the offensive line being what it is. But yeah, I want to see if they're going to do anything differently because on paper, this team looks a lot like kind of a combination of what they saw from San Francisco and Seattle. They've got the quarterback similar to what we saw in Seattle, except a much worse passer because Russell Wilson is a God and they've got a running game. That's really well developed. And a lot of that running game and the speed in the running game is going to come from Lamar Jackson. They saw that last week with Kyler Murray, who almost went for a hundred yards. So they've seen a lot of these elements and teams they've played this year and they haven't been able to stop any of it. Period. They except I guess against Seattle, they did a decent job, but that's because Seattle didn't know what they were going to get. I, I guarantee you Seattle didn't come out of, in that game expecting to see a five-man defensive line in, in the base. So yeah, Ravens know what to expect. They have seen, as everyone has seen, how to exploit this defense. It could be uh, it could be using the speed of, of Marquise Brown on jet sweeps. It could be just getting Lamar Jackson into space. The one other receiver I wanted to mention as well that's been decent for them uh, Willie Sneed has, has been a decent contributor Slack for that offense. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Mark Engram, Gus Edwards, not as scary in the passing game. They don't have, you know, the Ray Rice kind of guy who, once he gets into space, he's going to be slippery that they've had in the past. But they do have good power. The Bengals have had issues tackling, and they have good blocking, especially Ronnie Staley. That is a very, very good tackle. Yeah, I've been looking at their offensive line because uh... – they drafted Orlando Brown, who I was not high on, also last year, because there's a lot of there's some bust factor with him. Even though I liked his tape at Oklahoma for being a big mauling bear at right tackle, um, and Marshall Yanda is a staple there for them. So I do think you know when I, I think of the Steelers Monday night game, and they didn't, didn't have any speed either, right? There was no one we were really worried about. Uh, getting beat over the top or the running backs doing anything crazy. Not like the 49ers where all three running backs were on a 4-3. Man, did you watch that versus the uh, the Browns? They 
made jokes of them too, just like they did of the Bengals. So maybe the 49ers are just really, really good. And they have anyway, Jarek McKisson, who's not playing. He's on the McKinnon. IR. McKinnon, sorry. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon on the IR too. Yeah, and so that's another fast running back. So um, I think of the Steelers game plan, and they used those two backs and ran a lot of wildcat and option out of that with, with Jalen Samuels being the other guy. And Samuels was kind of a, a, a flex guy as it is. He was a tight end, uh, H-back type, running back type coming out of college. So maybe they that gave them that advantage. But if I were the Ravens and Mark – Ingram's been running really well. I'd use Gus Edwards. Maybe you maybe you package a play like that and get a more option out there. But I, I mean, I guess do you have to do that when you have Lamar Jackson? You don't. You just run the option with him. You also haven't needed to have speed to beat the Bengals this year, which you kind of alluded to with the Steelers. You just need to have the decent blocking, and the Ravens certainly should have that. A little bit of misdirection in there, get the linebackers going the wrong way, and as soon as you're past that defensive line, well, now you're good for eight yards. Because the linebackers aren't catching you before then and the safeties need to get downhill. So it's not that hard to beat the Bengals in the running game right now if you get past that defensive line and you figure that out and you're going to chew up yardage. Yeah, watching film, the linebackers are almost non-existent. Even on, and there were so many plays, even when I was isolating Sam Hubbard on those bad plays, the reason they're so bad is because there's no second level right now. So he can't make a mistake at the line of scrimmage. And that's a lot of pressure on on an edge guy or even any defensive lineman because uh, it's really a defensive line making tackles or it's the safeties. Yeah, the even on the plays when the defensive line gets the stops, you go back and you look at the linebackers and they're just getting blown out of the play. The second level blocks are getting to them too easily. They're giving up too much ground. And maybe some of that's on the defensive line or maybe they just – they being opposing teams just see how easy it is to attack this Bengals defense in the running game and just say, you know what, go get, go mess with the second level a little bit, get one of those linebackers and the other one will get caught up in the muck or will be too slow. And then make sure you get, you know, down blocks there. There'll be cutback lanes, look for them and off you go. Do you feel like either of the two linebackers are playing like if Jermaine Pratt's going to be inserted, who's coming out? Because it seems like it's been both guys so far, but if, if Pratt gets a steady role or a bigger role, do you have a favorite of who you'd like to see off the field first? No. No, just either one. You don't care. I, I don't care. They're the same, and the Bengals coaching staff seems to feel the same way about it. They're pulling both those guys off to get the younger guys in uh, for yeah. the few snaps they have gotten them in for. Yeah, that's right. So we haven't done predictions on this show in, in at least quite a while. I don't know if you do them on the crossover Wednesdays, but what do you think, Joe? What's your What's your feeling for this game? Well, since you don't listen to our podcast, Jake, I did do a prediction with them. And if you guys stayed till the end, you heard that also. It was uh, 27-17 Ravens. And I just think the Ravens are a better team right now. I don't think they're, you know, unstoppable or anything like that. So anything can happen, especially when you have a quarterback that has had fumbling issues in terms of uh, Lamar Jackson. So there is a chance to win this game, of course. But I do think... Firepower-wise, I don't think the Bengals have a lot. Scoring over 20 even last week was a, a major surprise to me. And, you know, for most of the game, I thought it was going to be one of those where they scored 12 to 15. I think at some point this team's going to bust out and play a complete game when we're not expecting them to. No, it's going to be when A.J. Green comes back. We'll expect it. Yeah, when AJ, yeah sure, because that changes the offense in a big way. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think it might be a little bit closer I want to say because this series has traditionally been very close, but I think that it would have to be closer on the higher end. So this is going to depend entirely 
on whether the Bengals offense can take advantage of the worst Ravens defense in a decade, at least. And so if they can score points, then it will be maybe a one score game. But if they can't keep it close, I mean, I think the Ravens are easily going to score 30, 34 points in this one. And then the Bengals is just, that's the wild card is can they get the offense going? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Because if they can score 27, then maybe they get a turnover. Maybe they get a couple stops. And this is a 27, 25, 24 type game. I just can you know, I can't fathom this offense scoring 30 right now. It's hard to imagine with the guys they have available. If AJ Green's out there, though, with the sure. Bane, he's been to Baltimore. Maybe you feel a little bit differently. And when the Ravens come to Cincinnati, well, you certainly hope. AJ will be playing in that one. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back after the game on Sunday with our initial takes, our feelings, our anger, or our jubilation. Until then, have a good weekend and who day, right? Who day? We still say that they're only, you know what? Have a good weekend. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.